Dive into our latest courses designed to enhance your bond with your furry friend. Whether you're a seasoned owner or a new puppy parent, there's something for everyone at dogspeak101.com. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Enroll now and take the first step toward a happier, well-behaved dog. Visit dogspeak101.com to browse our course catalog. Get 10% off all courses through February the 14th. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Thanks for joining us this week. Really excited. we got Anna Skates with us this week to talk about uh, kind of the commonality of raising children and raising dogs. Anna, how are you doing? I'm good, Nikki. How are you? I'm good. So tell everybody what you do. Yeah. So I am a parent coach and a children and family advocate. So day to day, a lot of my work involves talking with parents and caregivers about kind of these common struggles that they're having with their kids. Um, and then uh, just also providing as many resources as I can for these families and speaking up for kids who sort of don't have a voice in our world in a lot of ways. And so I consider myself kind of an advocate on their behalf um, in a lot of these conversations and then also just kind of out in the world. Um, yeah, trying to find solutions for where they aren't necessarily seen or heard. So that's that's what I do in a nutshell. Well, and I, I think that's why Britt was like, you two need to get on and have this conversation because a lot of it's so similar um, where, you know, I'm going in and I'm, I'm trying to help people understand their dog, that the dog has no voice, right? It's mm-hmm. like when I go into a home and I see potential issues or I see issues, you know, the dog can't say, well, this is how I feel. This yeah. is, you know, this is what's happening here and this is what's going on here. And, and these are the emotions and so it's like trying to put these puzzle pieces together. And, and I can imagine that with with children, a lot of times they don't know how to express that either. Well, I, and I think especially even like really, really young kids, you know, they don't, they literally don't have the language when they're really little to communicate in that way. They communicate so often, kids do, through their behavior. So the things that we see as this bad behavior, quote unquote, is really there's something at the root of that that is a deeper issue and there's no way that they have available to them to communicate it other than this behavior that you see. And so um, like a lot of, a lot of the work that I do is sort of helping parents to shift and caregivers to shift their mindset about their kids' behavior to rather than seeing it, giving it a value of good or bad, rather getting really curious about what's beneath that behavior? What is happening around us right now that might be driving this to happen? Yeah. And I think, you know, in the dog training world, so many times people are so focused on just fixing that external behavior, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you see so many aversive trainers who's like, okay, your dog is barking at other dogs. Well, let's just put a shock collar on them and we'll make sure that every time they bark at another dog, we shock them, right? So let's just, we'll just fix that external behavior and then woo way it's fixed. Um, and it's not getting to that root cause and not, and, and the thing is, is looking at that external behavior as that kind of an information. Yeah. It's like, this is information to something else. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, and, and it's like, what is that? And we can't suppress that information because then we'll lose the information. It'll come out somewhere else, which will mm-hmm. make 
put you on the other, you know, a whole other track. Totally. Um, it's like, it's, it's real simple. I can, I wish they could see our faces when we're talking on this and we're like, yes. Oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're it's so right. right. You're so right. No, sorry. I'm just going to say like, at, before you even started talking, I thought I should have mentioned that like, even these like really sort of punitive measures that we take with kids, like we think that they fix the problem because the behavior stops, but it's not fixing the problem. And so what ends up happening is that suppressed behavior or that suppressed feeling or whatever it is, ends up coming out in some other way. Just like you said, it's literally the same. It's the same thing, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? I know, right? People, I don't think people kind of realize that. It's funny because when I go into homes I don't do a ton of family training. Um, in other words, I don't, I would say that probably only, I would say maybe 35 to 40% of my clients have children in the home. Yeah. Um, most are either, you know, young couples, older couples that, you know, they've moved on. But when I do go into those homes and I see these problems with the dog, I often see the same problem with the kids. Yes. Right. Yes. And you're like, Ooh, hyperactivity. Ooh, hyperactivity. Ooh, meltdown, meltdown. So it's like, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, it. and people jokingly always ask me, do you train kids? And of course I'm like, yeah, but I use a shot collar for that. <laughs> um, so but it's like, it's, but I tell them it's, if you just learn and understand kind of deeper and kind of take out, take out that kind of word of human and dog, if you just right. look at it as an organism that's trying to fit into this world that's yeah. so new, yeah, you know, we we've taken dogs and we've you know we we put them in captivity, mm-hmm. and you know and we've kind of introduced them to this world that they are not even genetically wired to to deal with, and then yeah. you have these these kids who are you know coming up and they don't understand this world, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they don't understand what this is about. If, if that was the case, then every baby would come out toilet trained. Right. I mean, it's like you know. Right. We have to understand that I always say that we are dogs tour guide and with yes. their upper management to say, you know, I know more about this world. Let me help you. Nikki, I've used that exact <laughs> same analogy in parenting. I'm not even kidding. So I've talked all the time about like, I literally talk about, um, I guess less of a tour guide, but more like if you're so like, say you are, you visit a foreign country. Well, I guess it is a tour guide. You visit a foreign country yeah. and you have a guide what guide would you respond to best? One that sort of, while they let you kind of figure some things out on your own, they're there by your side to kind of help steer you if you get off track. Or would you respond better to a guide who's like, nope, made a mistake. Nope. Uh-uh. Nope. Stop. Stop it right now. Stop. You can't say that. Nope. That's not how you say it. No. no. Why is it even a comparison? I don't understand. And it is. It's so like, I love the idea of parents being a guide for their kids, not like a dictator or an owner of their kids, which is just a whole other weird dynamic that you end up getting into. Right. So yeah, the, the concept of a guide, of a tour guide, like you are helping them to navigate the world, to learn how to navigate the world as the person that they are with yeah. all of their complexities and uniqueness and, and all of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, teaching how to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. So it's like when I, it's funny cause it's, it really is the same dogs and, and I'm going to kind of go from the dog side and, and you're going to come from the, yeah, the yeah. child side. But it's like, when I look at dogs, it's let's help them 
be the best version of who they are, not of what we think they should be, not what the breed says it should be. Um, and I, I would say I, I had no real experience raising children. I don't have children myself. Um, I did help raise some, some friends, uh, you know, kids, I was kind of part of their life a lot. And, but when our niece, when we ended up having our niece and you're well aware of this whole, uh, you know, that the niece came and lived with us at like 13, 14, some of the hardest time. And Mm -hmm. I had been a part of her life, her whole life. Um, but I've always kind of been that disciplinarian, um, and I'm using that word as the disciplinarian of what I grew up as, you know, yeah. of, of this is, you know, this is wrong. Don't do this. And, um, and then it kind of hit me that I was like, hey, why don't I just work? And I, I'd almost said train her like a dog, um, but raise her like a dog. Well, um, but to you, that means something very different than what it means to most people. Like, yes. You know, so I, I understand what you mean when you say that. I mean, it was like, okay, so here I have this 13, 14 year old who is dealing with, you know, hormones and emotions and unstable home and, and everything's just kind of crazy and weird. And there's some weird things happening. And, um, and I just thought, you know, how would I deal with this if it was a dog and it was, you know, taking, kind of taking all those little external symptoms, I guess you could say, um, and external behaviors and saying, okay. How can I, how can I help her navigate this? And, and one of the biggest things we did, which is what we do with our dogs is we start to allow choices to be made. Yeah. And, um, and some of those times those choices might be as simple as you want to go to the ball game tonight. Okay. Go rake the yard. And she would start to rake the yard. And then she's like, "Mm, what if I don't rake the yard? Then you don't go to the ball game. Right. Okay. And she didn't rake the yard. And she didn't go to the game. And I was like, okay, so I raked the yard, you know, so right, it's right, like, right. Yeah. and I'm sure there's a lot of parents who are like, what in the hell yeah. you're in charge. You tell them what to do. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's that owner. That's that like ownership dictatorship mentality. Mm-hmm. It's this power. Like anytime you put yourself into a power struggle and let's be super clear, kids don't put us there. We put ourselves there by allowing that to happen. So we get to decide how we show up in the world, right? How we show up as parents, how we show up as owners. And um, and so anytime we put ourselves in a power dynamic like that, we, yeah, we put ourselves in a position of feeling like we have to stay in charge and we have to, to sort of lord over this other person um, when really like no healthy relationship exists that way. Like that's not how you would want any other relationship in your life set up. Isn't that wild that we, that we look at another human, at least in my case, like we would look at another human and say like, no, it makes sense that I, that we have a power dynamic and I'm in charge of this person. You may be responsible for that person and it may be your job to keep them safe and healthy, but you're not like in charge of them. And so to, and, and what's interesting is allowing them choices, like you're saying, helps to give them a sense of control over their environment so that they don't put themselves in that power struggle with you. Like all of a sudden now, like they know, oh, I have some freedom here. I'm not stuck in a cage all the time. I'm not on a leash all the time and controlled all the time. I get to choose for myself sometimes too, because just like dogs, I think Nikki, like they didn't choose to be here. They didn't choose to get domesticated. (laughs) Or crossbred with someone, something else, you know, like they didn't choose this life. We, 
we impose that on them. So then it's our responsibility to help them to navigate the best way we can and to to give them a sense of choice in their life, given that their life itself wasn't a choice for them. <laughs> and 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 kids and, and dogs too, like they don't get a choice of what happens day to day. We control that and, and the same in our household. Like as the adults, we for the most part make the choice, make the decisions about generally how our days go and the things that we commit to and all that kind of stuff. So kids are just drug along for the ride most of the time. So then to give them these moments of choice where it makes sense, where we can, where it's not a non-negotiable for us is beautiful because not only it gives them that that good sense of control over their own life, everybody wants to feel that, um, but it also sort of, I think in a way shows like, I trust you. I trust mm-hmm. you to make the choice that you feel is best for you in this moment that will meet your needs because you know what you need. And I bet, I bet you'll make the choice that meets that need. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, sometimes I think people go, well, you know, I'm I'm so afraid they're going to make this wrong decision, right? And it's going to put them on this wrong path and it's going to do this. And then it's like, you know, don't freak out so much about just start with some small things. Hmm. You know, I remember one of my first Rottweilers, I would give her a choice over which collar she wore. Mm-hmm. I would lay out, I'd lay out three collars. I love that. And, and she would sniff them and then she'd pick up the one she wanted to wear and hand it to me. And it was something very simple. Um, and, and really just teaching all those choices to be made. Not that she wouldn't respond when I needed her to do something because she would. But the funny thing is, is once I started giving choices, I didn't have to give her a lot of direction. Yep. And it's, it's like you just sit back and go, oh, this is amazing. I mean, I don't have to be constantly on top of another organism yeah. to ensure I get what I need. I mean, how exhausting is that? Yeah, like, can you imagine? Like, can you imagine if Brittany was like always like, Nikki, we have to do this. All right, next we're doing that. No, come on, right now. I said right now. Like, can you imagine being in a relationship with a person like that? <laughs> Uh, for a very short day. amount of time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> do it to kids all day, every day, and then wonder why they have all these like behavioral issues, quote unquote. And it's like, well, no one likes to be put in a cage. No one likes to feel controlled by another person. Nobody. And and no pet, no animal likes that. No. And, and I think when we start to force dogs or force kids to become something they're not, like, I grew up, I was an athlete and I was very athletic and it was a big thing for me. And I really wanted Rose to be an athlete. Yeah. Well, she wanted, she wanted to do that for me. Mm-hmm. She, I, I could tell she wanted to do that for me. Um, she wasn't great. <laughs> um, her, her softball skills were not great. Mm-hmm. She tried. Yeah. Um, and then I think that there was a time she was, she didn't want to do it anymore. And I'm so glad, though, that she was probably really nervous to tell me. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad she finally felt, you know, I just don't think I want to do this anymore. And I, I was disappointed, but I was like, okay, that's fine. You don't have to. That's yeah. this is who you are. And and it's funny that we're recording this today because she's graduating tonight mm. from high school with an, with an associate's degree. Yeah. She's already set up with MTSU. Oh my gosh. Um, she works. She, you know, manages things because she still doesn't have a really good, stable parenting right. system. Yeah. She no longer lives with us. She hasn't lived with us since right before 16. But, um, 
but it's like, you know, I feel like, okay, her feeling like she can make those choices and not be put down for it or not um, be felt, made feel guilty. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, and, and I didn't have any type of resentment towards that. Yeah. And I think 20 years ago, I would have. <laughs> I would have had I would have had that resentment. I'd be like, oh damn it, I really want you to play ball and I just yeah. shit, you know, and I'm so yeah. frustrated. And now I don't even, you know, I don't I don't care. I don't like what you're doing, or I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that I think we just put so much yeah. on these these little organisms that just can't they're just they're not they're not developed enough to be able to understand that and and pushing the way that we push. And and growing up, I watched a lot of parents push some of my friends in sports where it didn't, it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. And, and I think I see a lot of people with dogs where they're forcing them into these environments um, that are not fun. They're taking them to the dog park, but they're not having a good time. They're taking them to cafes and patios. They're not having a good time. They're forcing them into sports like agility and they're not having a good time. And, you know, and and that's, I think it's really hard for people to sit back and say, but that's what I want. That's what I got a dog for. Or I had kids because I wanted to be that soccer mom. Yes. These humans exist to serve my agenda. agenda. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's scary, Uh, isn't it? It really is. And it's like, you know, how do you navigate that with parents? I mean, I feel like I have an easier job navigating that with dog owners because. Yeah. They didn't carry this thing for nine months. They didn't work hard at or enjoyed themselves working hard at, at trying to make this little baby happen. Totally. Um, you know, but how do you navigate that when someone has put that much emotion into it uh-huh. and like this whole vision of what it could be? Well, I mean, I, so much of parenting is ultimately in the work that I do ends up being, um, guiding parents into a self-reflective role. Like, so it's not about, so just like with a kid, I'm not here to try to change this kid's behavior. I'm trying to, I'm here to try to figure out why the hell they're even doing this in the first place. Like what is happening for them? Like, what is this experience for them that they would behave this way, that they are so out of control that they're behaving this way. So same thing goes for parents, right? What is it about this situation where they feel they needed to create another human to to make this thing happen like what is that is this is this a missed opportunity in your own life that you just feel a lot of shame around or sadness around or grief around that you haven't dealt with like i i do it the same i i approach it the same way as i would a kid like what what is beneath that behavior this behavior that i look at and i'm like oh my god what are we doing yeah <laughs> Great. Okay. But that's not helpful. Yep. So let's start asking questions. Let's start getting really curious. So I do the same thing with parents. Like, what is that? Like, what, tell me more about that. What, what is it for you that you're hoping to see or accomplish? Why is that? What does that mean to you? And like, sure enough, like as you start digging down, most people, most people end up finding the root at some childhood experience of their own. They had parents who really pushed them hard at a sport or or they weren't really good at a sport and they felt a lot of shame around it because their parent or caregiver really wanted them to do it and then they sucked at it and then they were embarrassed. So now they're trying to make up for that feeling. Like it could be a million little things. And so you deal with it just like you would anything else we're talking about. You know, you just you just dig down. My problem sometimes, I think because I come from such a like 
a kid angle. Like I'm such, I'm so kid first that I have way more patience for kids and understanding for kids than I do for adults, which is so not fair and warranted for all these like grown up kids walking around. So like none of us know what we're doing. So, so it's good practice for me too, to remember like we're all the Ram Das quote is my favorite thing. Like we're all just walking each other home. Like we're all just helping each other figure this thing out. And sometimes it's easier to see than, than other times. And that's okay. But, I love that. Yeah. yeah I, it's, it's funny because so many times I'll be in a session like that and I'm having to kind of talk with the owners about their relationship and the dynamics and, and people jokingly say, uh, you know, Oh, you're a therapist too. And I'm like, Please don't put me in that role. (laughs) However, I have learned a lot about human psychology, teaching people and, and knowing that, and I tell people now I cannot change it. When I, when I say I'm going to change your dog's behavior, I'm changing the emotion that's driving the behavior, right? I can't change that without changing the the humans. Yeah. Right. Because if your upper management is doing it. Yep. Yep. (laughs) 100%. Yes. Of of course it's going to, it's going to trickle down. And then what does drive me crazy is when I watch these adults when, and I should say adults as they're, you know, grown, grown ass kids, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the thirties and forties treating the dog, not in a nice way. And then I watch the kids come in and do the same thing. And I'm like, look what you're not only teaching the dog, but look what you're teaching your child. Yeah. That you're, that you're saying, Hey, if this, just because this, something doesn't understand you just because this, something's not on the same level, you can treat it less. Right. Isn't and that I'm cool? just like, oh. yeah. and it's so much of that though, is not even, I think it's so, it flies so under the radar for so many people. Like there's such a lack of, I was just talking about this yesterday on my own platforms and talking about this idea of, of this conscious awareness that we can bring to these relationships to where, because I would imagine that most of these people, when you start to point these things out are like, Oh, I didn't even write. Okay. Yeah. Like they're making, like you start to see the dots connect, but had you never brought that to their attention, they may not have ever noticed it because I think so many of us, um, behaviorally, relationally are on this like conveyor belt and we're just doing things the way that we were programmed to do them by our own parents and caregivers. And we never stop the conveyor belt long enough. Like we don't jump off long enough to think about where we're even going on this belt. Mm-hmm. And does this even make any, do I even want to be here? Is this, is this really what I want for my life right now? And for yeah. this relationship? No, but it takes, it takes stopping that it takes, bringing yourself into this conscious awareness of what's happening in front of you. Like that's the very first thing that has to happen is that awareness to then say like, Oh, you know, this isn't what I, this isn't what I want at all. Oh, I have to do something different now. That, which is, that's always the hard part, right? Is getting people to like uh-huh. take responsibility for that and then shift their behavior. But, um, but that's the work, right? And, but that consciousness is so often the biggest hurdle because unless somebody from the outside comes in and says, hey, I'm noticing these things happening and it seems like there's a connection here between the way that you respond to this kind of behavior and then the way that your kids are or or the way that your dog responds. Then when you do that, like 
that's something that needs to change. And, but that, but it takes often an, an outside voice kind of coming in to bring that up. Um, which is why I think that the work you do is so important. The work that I do is so important because everybody else is just stuck in the weeds of it, right? It's why they hire us because they're in the weeds. They can't see the forest for the trees. It's just, this is craziness right now. We're stuck in this brush and I cannot get, I, I don't know how to get, I can't see the path. And we're up here like flying above the tree line. Like, oh yeah, no, no, no. The path's like right here. Like, but you got to turn around and take a few steps back and then go around. You know, it's, yeah. you can see the path because we're not stuck in it. Um, so I have a lot of empathy for, for people who are, yeah, just in the weeds, you know, and they can't, can't see it. You know, and, and we struggle on our end with dogs of people that when I tell them that, I, I know that it's, it's either going to be, they're going to be clients for life or I'll never see them again. And of course, people that listen to the podcast has listened to the episode with Steve how I blew his mind when I came in as, as, you know, and he's a parent and he has dogs and, and I kind of blew his mind of what he always thought, excuse me, was the right way to do things. And, and he was very open of how his brain broke. And I literally told him, I said, I didn't think I'd come back the way that he looked. I didn't think he'd come back. And now he's like, he's all about it. And he's going to be on another episode. He's just like gotten all this little dog speak geeky on him. But I do, I find a lot of my people, a lot of my clients, it's very frustrating. I won't say not my, my clients. I see a lot of dog owners who are in the weeds, but it's like they don't want to develop that relationship. They just want it fixed. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's where we have a lot of board and train and a lot of dogs are being sent off and behaviors being suppressed and aversive techniques are being used. And, and I kind of feel like, and you totally correct me if I'm wrong. I kind of feel like a lot of parents feel like school is the board and train. Mm, like mm-hmm, fix yeah. my kid so that I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of, I think there are definitely parents out there that think that about the school system, which sorry to disappoint you, but that is never going to happen in the school system as it no. as it can. Um, and then I think that parents, I mean, I have most of the clients that I end up getting are people who kind of are finding themselves not in crisis per se, but like they have reached the end of their rope. Like they, they are, they don't like how things are going. They don't like how they're reacting. They're at least familiar enough with me to know, like, this is going to be some self-reflective work and it's going to be uncomfortable. (laughs) But, um, but, but often it's, you know, I see a lot of parents looking for, yeah, like I need this to be fixed. (laughs) And unfortunately, like we're talking about a living thing here and you don't just fix a living thing like you fix a car. Like it's not a machine. This is a person having an experience that has their own emotions and their own anxieties and struggles and uniqueness about them. And it's just like, oh, well, I got married and I thought that it would fix things. Like, I hope that we know by now that that is not how that works. But it's right. the same kind of concept. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to change this person. Once we get married, they will change. It will be different. Once I have a baby, they'll change. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, right. Right. Talk about like the worst reason to ever bring another human into the world. Please don't do that. Um, but um, it just makes me sad for the kids because then they yeah. get here to, to adults who maybe weren't really very prepared for them. And then they have to figure out how to survive with that person and navigate the world with that person. And that's, that sucks, frankly. I think that's really, yeah. Um, yeah. but 
not to like shame anybody who like kind of became a parent that way. That's not the intention, but it's, but it is again, like that's that conscious awareness and the willingness to say like, I've done something that may have been harmful to my kid. That's, that's an awful realization to have to come to. And I get that. Nobody wants to feel that way. I was just, I was just kind of talking this whole idea out a couple of days ago, Nikki. This is like, so it's blowing my mind because I was like, I really want to avoid comparing kids to dogs, but, <laughs> but that's because I see the dog thing as a typical person would, right? And you own this dog that you fix their behavior, all that kind of stuff. So I yep. love, this, I love this correlation, but now I was just thinking, um, a couple of days ago about this, this, um, this whole idea of, of um, this conscious awareness and how when you are given, when you come to the realization that you may have done something that was harmful to your child, I brought this up because it came up around the concept of spanking, which is physical abuse. But, but we, but I, and I was like processing this idea out for myself, honestly, and saying, when you're presented with that information, you really have two options. You can either accept that that is, that is the case. Like, I think I've done something that was potentially really harmful to this other person. And I'm going to accept that, start to recognize these patterns in myself and do things differently and also apologize for that behavior, which is a very cool thing to do, right? It's, it's okay to, because, because you find yourself out of alignment, right? With the things mm-hmm. that you, if you were to be really honest with yourself about the things that you value, and then you start to see this behavior, you can either accept it and and change, or you deny it because that's easier because then you don't have to feel incongruent because if you accept that you've done something harmful, now you're out of alignment, right? With your values as a parent or as a dog owner, whatever. And that's hard. That's a hard place to be in. And most of us don't want to feel that feeling because it's gross, <laughs> So the yeah. denial, so the denial is a lot easier. The denial is a lot easier, and so again, like I have deep empathy for people on on all parts of that spectrum, wherever you kind of land with it. Um, but I think that the only way out is through. Like the only way to fix, to really, really fix the things that you find so problematic in your relationship with your child is through, like you have to accept it. You can't deny and go around it and keep trying all these other little things. Like you have to accept it. You have to be able to take responsibility for your own part in it all and do it differently. Try a different way, but you have to go through that process Mm -hmm. to get to the other side because we're talking about people. We're talking about a relationship. We're talking about two human beings or two living things mm-hmm. who are, who are energy, right? They are affecting one another necessarily. And so you, the energy that you bring to this, uh, matters deeply. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it really is kind of crazy how I think that people are a lot, I would, I would think that I'm trying to find the best way to say this. Um, I think that people with children tend to have a little bit more maybe willingness, and correct me if I'm wrong, than with a dog. Because with dogs, we go, well, if this doesn't work out, we'll send them to the shelter. We'll just send them off to get that fixed. We'll just do this, we'll do that. So it's like... It's like they're not necessarily wanting to reflect on them because truly it can't be 
anything they're doing wrong, right? It's right. just a poorly bred dog. We got him out of the shelter and he was had a bad history and, and this and that, or he's anxious and that's just the way he is. And, yeah. and it's like, if you're going to get into a relationship with another organism, mm-hmm. create that relationship, yeah. develop the relationship. And, you know, for us, it's all about, we're creating relationships, not dictatorships. Yeah. Um, yep. It's rare that I go in and I'm like, okay, we're going to teach the dog, sit, stay down, come heel. My pup we've had for about four months. He knows commands for walking on leash. Um, he knows a good place command. He's kind of working on stay. He's got a really good calm, but I don't have to, I don't, I haven't even taught him to down on command. One, I don't need to because he um, already does it. But two, because I've developed the relationship he just watches me and yeah. he just kind of, we're connected. Yes. And I've, and I've allowed him to make some choices to whether he wants to approach something or not approach something, be um, petted by someone or not petted by someone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was one thing that, that growing up, it was always go, hu- you know, go hug by, go yeah. hug your granny by, go hug your uncle by, go hug your, right. And that was one thing that I grew up with. And yeah. Britt was really good when we had Rose of not forcing her to yeah. hug anyone. Yeah. Yep. Um, not me, not her, not mom and dad, not man and papa. And cause she's not a real touchy feely person. Um, but because we gave her those choices and, and I'm so glad that, that Britt being in her life has been, was like the best thing that ever happened <laughs> because she was able to make those choices I think that she learned that she didn't have to be in relationships that were not healthy. Yeah. She could make the choice to walk away. Yeah. And, um, and she actually like her dad is not, not the best dad in the world. My brother, um, he just, his texting is just not always a positive thing. She made the adult decision. She blocked him mm-hmm. and it was for her health. Yeah. And it was just like, holy shit. Wow. So what we did, and, and it's one thing we, we try to do with dogs is teaching them coping skills, mm-hmm. teaching them um, to, to handle environments that we can't necessarily train. And yeah. that's right. I can't teach a dog to deal with everything in this world. Just like we, we can't teach children to be prepared for everything they're going to see. Yeah. If we can give them that foundation. Yes. A lot of the development is taking place. Uh, neurologically, then yep. that then that they're going to be able to handle those coping skills, and it's going to help them to have better decision making in environments that they're not familiar with. One hundred percent. Well, I literally have nothing to add to that. One hundred percent. You're exactly right. I love that you teach bodily autonomy to dogs, though. <laughs> and I mean, that's great. Like, that's great because, like, animals in the wild, we just don't we don't just like go around touching animals in the wild whenever we want to because they might like bite our heads off, right? So, dogs aren't don't aren't afforded that opportunity necessarily because we've domesticated them. So then, like you said, like kind of to give them back, almost like their natural a bit of who they are, like naturally, like yeah, deep deep down, like. You're, you're a wild animal, baby. Like I, you know, if you want to be touched, that's cool. But if you don't, I will, I see you, I got you. I will read your body language. I can know that about you. Like, oh man, I love that. And I think what you said about connection too is, is so important. It's been my experience that the, the more I'm willing to connect with the kids in my life on whatever level that is, whether that's 
you know, being into the things that they're into or just like playing and enjoying that, like genuinely letting them know that I enjoy their company by spending time with them or whatever it is, like the easy, the, the whole like bedtime routine and dinner time, like it's a, it's a non-issue. Like it doesn't even feel like I have to make them do a thing. It's just like, ugh. or even when it is, when it is a struggle, it's usually because I'm trying to make it that thing. I'm trying to make it this, like, we have to do this right now. It's, it's me. Like, it's all me. And the minute I stop doing that and say like, eh, it's just like in the next like 15 minutes, it needs to be done. So like, would you want to do this like now in seven minutes or in 15 minutes? What are your yeah. thoughts? Like, that's it. Like, just let go a little bit and and get back to that connection. Like, okay, we have to work together on this. This is not me making you do a thing. This is us working together to get this thing done. So how can we work together? Let's collaborate on this process. And it, cha- it literally changes everything. Like the whole dynamic shifts. Yeah, and I, it's funny because when Rose would come home from school, um, you know, I, I grew up very rigid of chores, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was exhausting. Yep. Um, it, it really did not feel like there was a lot of relationship. Yeah. Um, luckily, as we've grown older, things have improved in that relationship status. But I, I didn't want to have that. I want to teach, I wanted to teach Rose responsibility uh, and contribution. So what we decided to do is, Hey, when you come home from school, get a snack, decompress, because just let it just do whatever you need to do. And then we just told her, find some chore Mm -hmm. that benefits the family to do. Yeah. Yeah. Britt told me about this. I was like, girl, so good. Right. That's and she, she would always typically do the dishes, which neither one of us enjoyed doing. So it was perfect. Amazing. Um, of course, you know, she was responsible for her, for her bathroom and her bedroom. Yeah, her own spaces. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it was just like, here's the mm-hmm. choice that you have just to benefit, just to contribute, whatever yeah. that looks like to you, whatever you enjoy doing. I mean, cause I was, I had to, I clean the bathrooms every weekend I feel like for 18 years, and if yeah. I never clean another bathroom, yep. I, I'd be happy. I'm fine. Yep. I mean, it's literally, it just, there's this whole negative association around it mm-hmm. um, of cleaning, which is why I'm like, I'll just pay somebody. I don't, I don't want to do it. It's That's a bad experience. It, it really is. It's just, it was not a pleasant thing. And, and I just think that when we try to direct too much of an organism, that relationship is going to sever and it is going to pull yeah. away. And, and, and one of the things that people with dogs, I'm like, look, if you open your front door, when you come home and you open your front door, if your dog greets you and is all happy, you're on the right track. If the dog bolts past you and starts running the neighborhood, you need to question that relationship. Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. Right. Yeah. So like, so like, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. just watching that interaction and, and, And I think because, and I I keep going back to Rose because it's the only thing that we have uh, for for child-wise, but we saw her and her friend out one night and um, being this not huggy, touchy, lovey type of emotional, sometimes I think, I thought she was a psychopath. I'm like, sure, she she has no emotion. Um, She saw us and she immediately squealed Mm -hmm. and came running up and just attacked Brittany. Isn't that the best feeling when a teenager does that? It was and stuff. She didn't do it to me. 
Oh. <laughs> I can't trust the fact that it is the best feeling. <laughs> but I did, at first I was like, well, she didn't even give me a hug. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh my God, to see her connected yeah. to someone because she's not that way with her parents. Yeah. Um, to see her connected to someone, even though it's not me, it's okay. Um, I'm a, I'm a different part of her life, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm a different, you know, thing for that. Um, it was a beautiful thing. It really mm-hmm. was. And it actually just kind of melted my heart once I got my feelings back in track of not being hurt. All that managed. <laughs> <laughs> <It's right. laughs> I'm like, okay, it's not about me. Oh, um, you know, best fe- it's the best feeling, especially like, especially with kids that like, this just happened to me last night, actually. So um, Josh's daughter, Allison. So she's, uh, 14 now. So she'll be Oof. 15 in like a couple of months, few months. And, um, I know. And, uh-huh. he, you know, I've known her for a long time, obviously. Um, but she, but we're not like, I- I'm also not like a super touchy person necessarily. So I don't like do the cuddles on the couches and things like, like I'm not, I, I don't, meh. Like I like my yeah. face, you know. <laughs> I love I love getting hugs. Like I'm never gonna deny a hug at all. But but last night, um, we we just had a really interesting experience here the last few days, and like it seems like a switch has flipped. I don't want to jinx it, but something has <laughs> changed in the last few days, and it's very good. Either way, last night she was like wanting to show me all of these like TikTok videos and all of these pictures from her eighth grade dance that she just went to. And she was like all snuggled up on the bed with me showing me. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Wow. Like for, for a kid to like want to be that close to you and also like share the things that they're doing, especially a teenager, like, oh, it's there's literally nothing yes. better. It's so good. Yeah. And, and I've had those moments with Rose where she would share things with us and, and, and it was just nice to yeah. know that she had a safe place. And then knowing that her friends, literally we could sit, be sitting here one night and they were 16, 17, I guess, 17 years old at this point where we're just sitting here about ready to go to bed. And here comes a bunch of teenagers into our house mm-hmm. because this was the safe place because yeah. something else was happening. And Rose had to go deal with a best friend and, and she was right down the street, but then her friends came in and was like, Rose just told us to come here. And, oh, and no. it's like to share that. Yeah. Um, and to be able to communicate that. Um, that's Even I, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no, it's no, it's It's fine. We interrupt each other all the time. I was going to say, even, even when the sharing is scary, even when what's yes. shared with you is like, Ooh, nope, nope, not into yep. that. Um, <laughs> Even when it's like, oh my God, what are we going to do about this? It's still like, mm-hmm. there's still, if you can get past that feeling to like, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you felt that I'm a safe enough person for you, that we've built such a relationship where you feel like you can share that with me and know that I can hold it and not immediately like react to you out of it. But Take it, take it in as your experience, something that you are doing or dealing with and knowing like, okay, how can I, how can I keep this trajectory of our relationship going to where not just so that you can just come tell me everything, but where you feel safe to bring that to me because you know that I'm going to be able to kind of like help guide you through that. Like you're not coming to me to gossip about it. You're, you're obviously able to share this with me because you know, I'm not going to react, but also I'm not going to let you get hit by a car in the middle of the road. Like I'm not going to let you step out into the middle of the road. So, so it's, 
yeah, I, it's, it's the best, it's the best, best, best thing. And I imagine for animals, it feels the same to know that like, if they mess up or, or have, have a bad moment, they don't cower in the corner from you, but you can get down on their level and like, okay, we're going to do it different next time. Or I, maybe I need to change something about the way that I'm doing this. And I imagine that's such a different experience for them. Cause even when we were talking earlier about like cleaning the bathroom and how that was such a negative experience for you, that training that you went through, Mm -hmm. it was so negative. And I imagine for a dog, if their training experience is really positive, if there's a lot of connection and a lot of understanding and a lot of grace and choices and all those things that then the outcome is, is so different because they do those things gladly and happily Mm -hmm. because it's, because look, I'm such an important member of this family and I get to do this part and they do this part. And like, I, I imagine that's such a different feeling for that dog um, to have that experience. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I didn't, we, we never really with Rose raised our voices, um, screamed and yelled. There was not a lot of fighting. It was very kind of, we just kind of, again, trying to keep things. Yes. Consequences are a part of choices. But never physically or emotionally harming. But the one time that I really had to lose my shit on her, (laughs) I thought, okay, I can't leave her here at the house. Brittany's gone. I can't leave her here. I already had to lose my shit. We had to lay it out for something. And I was like, you're going to have to go with me to my client. And I thought, this is going to be the worst 45-minute drive of my life, right? This is like, she's going to have to ride with me in the car. It's going to be miserable. Hour and a half session. She'll sit there and pout. And then we'll have to have a horrible ride home, right? Yep. And we got in the car. And for 45 minutes, she never shut up about her day, about what was going on at school. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? I mean, so I'm like, did I? Yeah. I know. Right? I was like, that's not how it goes. You're supposed to be really pissed at me because I was mm. mad and you're grounded. And and she didn't, she just was like, whatever. And so after the session, I took her to dinner. We had dinner you know, yeah. we came home, and everything was fine. Right. And it's like, so I think, okay, yes. If there are times where you have to say, oh my God, dog, don't do that. Or, oh my God, kid, you really yeah. messed this up. Okay. It's, I think you can get more out of less in those mm-hmm. conversations because totally. you're not you've not just constantly yelled and griped about every little thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And because I mean, the more you like, yell and gripe about every little thing, the less and less that yelling and griping actually means. Yeah, like it loses a, all of its power when that's all you do over and over and over again. Yes. And it's, I've always kind of used this example. My, uh, my aunt Pud, who was like a second mother to me, um, bless her. She was kind of a mother to all of us. And when we would go and hang out, she was always very nervous Nelly. And, um, so she's almost like a helicopter mom. And so uh-huh. she would constantly yell at us about things, snakes, cars, things. Right. And it got to the point where we just, we just tuned her out. Love yeah. her, love yeah, her yeah. and still love her, but we would tune her out. So mm-hmm. I'm like, if, if something ever really was coming, we would block it because, and then we would get hit by a car probably, right? right? Because she was always kind of doing that. And, and it was coming from a good place. Oh, sure. Right, a very good place, but it just kind of started going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're always worried about this. You're always worried about that. Yeah. And, um, you know, because she's just always been motherly. And uh, she was kind of the, the patriarch of the family. And and it's like, you know, if you just keep yelling at your dog, at some point the dog's going to be like, you know what, I'm done. And when that door opens, 
I'm um, out of here. I'm out of here, right? Um, and it's just, I don't think people realize that, well, I say realize over the years of, of training dogs, um, it was that way when I started. It was, you're the dictator. You tell them what to do. You tell them everything to do. They should listen to you. They should be robotic. And and it was miserable and it was horrible. And yeah. and And now it's like, we're really trying to get people to understand it differently and look at your dog as something you've chosen to get. Um, and you need to choose to get one because you really want to develop a relationship, not just because you think that's what you're supposed to have, right? right? That your kid needs a dog or your two kids need their own dog. Or I'm like, oh my God, please let's not do that. Um, right. Oh my God. And let's not, let's not put all that responsibility on the kid to be training yeah. the dog. Because you, what you have at that point is you have a child who is developing neurologically yep. and you have a dog that is developing neurologically. Yep. Kid's going to develop a lot slower. But this kid, you know, what do you, what do you, it's like, okay, let's have the kindergartner teach kindergarten class. Right. I mean, it's like, uh-huh. oh, don't do that. Right. Yep. So it's like, oh, it's just like, come on, y'all. Just mm-hmm. start developing a relationship with those choices that you make. If you make a choice to have a child, you make a choice to have a pet, put in that time, put in that effort. It's not going to just naturally happen. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Your kids I mean, aren't just going to naturally behave the way that you want them to. They're not just going to naturally listen to you. You don't actually have the right to their attention and cooperation. You have to earn that. And the only way to earn that cooperation is to be kind and a gentle guide that they're willing to cooperate with. Yes, I know. It's like, you're like, it's so simple. Come on. So simple. It's so simple. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, I mean, it, it is, it seems simple. Yes. But I, it is a very difficult thing for people yeah. to undo um, yeah. and, and to kind of, to think of it differently. And, and one of the things, so when we are talking, this new kind of thing has come out with Kim Brophy is, is just been amazing in the dog world of mm-hmm. she's an ethologist. And, and so really talking about how the genetics of each breed is, you know, it, it, they've got their own kind of, of processes and, and what they're going to be going to do and, and these things. So say you're taking something like um, a, a herding dog that is uh, pulling towards cars on a walk or bicycles mm-hmm. or strollers or and people calling like I have a behavior problem. Right. I have this problem. Well, is that really a behavior problem or is it that this dog is genetically not able to, um, you know, get that outlet in a positive way. Right. So let's not stop this hurting instinct. Let's just put it somewhere else. It's easy for us to do that with dogs genetically over time. We see kind of what they've been bred for with kids. I think that parents need to maybe open up more to what they really like and enjoy Mm -hmm. and finding outlets for that. Because I can imagine that a lot of behavior behavior in quotes, right. Uh, Behavior issues is just that inability to either communicate their yeah. desires or an outlet for that. Or or a neurological difference, which happened. I mean, just like just like with breeds, there are genetic neurological differences where they are predisposed to certain behaviors. It's the same mm-hmm. with kids. Like there are kids who are on the autism spectrum or who have sensory processing disorder. Like those kids to try to insist that they sit still 
for any period of time, frankly, is completely unreasonable. And it's not because they're out of control and they're rowdy and rambunctious and all these things. It's because their bot, their brain is not processing the sensory input like a typical kid's brain would. They're not, their brain is not getting enough of that. So they're seeking it some other way. So they're moving around, they're fidgeting with stuff. It's why all these like little poppet things and fidgets exist. Yes. It's because of this thing that we're talking about. It's because we've started to recognize that there are certain kids whose brains are not receiving enough sensory input. So they need some other outlet so that they can focus on the task at hand. They need some other way to get that input. Otherwise, they won't. This will overtake it. This will overtake and they won't be able to complete the task. So they need something else to help them. Um, we're slowly... I think, well, I think more, there's a lot more awareness out there about that kind of thing than there used to be for sure in the parenting world. Um, and I mean, kids are getting diagnosed with stuff right and left. So there's that, but, um, but, but I mean, it is to a degree, like you're saying, like they're, they're looking for some other, they're looking for input. And if they're not getting it any other way, then this is their solution. When, when left to their own devices, what you are seeing is what you will get. Like this is the solution they've come up with. So unless you give them a different one, this is what you will get. And insisting that they just stop is not helping because it's still not meeting that need. That, I, you see, my brain just starts to, I'm like, I love oh, it. This oh, is it's so the same, right? It's, it's like just, yeah. um, it, you know, it's true. It's, it's with dogs. If you keep allowing them bark, to bark and lunge at something that scares them, then that's never going to stop, right? Yeah. It's like. Um, I love how I always reference Kim Brophy, how she had said that behavior is like a like water running along a path. The more that behavior works, the deeper that path gets. You end up with a little stream, a creek, a river. Right. And so in order to change the path of the water, you got to dam it up yep. to create a new pathway and yep. talking in that kind of um, neurological aspect. And and, you know. The one thing I think with especially dogs and, and kids, if you have a kid who's like on the autism uh, spectrum and and he's never known anything else and he doesn't know what it's supposed to feel like this, mm-hmm. this is this is what I, I feel like. So it's like, how do they explain that that's what they're feeling? Because mm-hmm. to them, it's normal. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, again, I go back to dogs and I look at them and some people say, do you think a dog could be autistic? Yeah, I mean, it's a neurological issue yeah. and, and, and neurological issues are a common thing. We just can't figure it out as easily. We're not going to put a dog in an MRI because one, you're not going to get what you need if you got to, right. you know, put, put them under anesthesia and, and all this. But but understanding more kind of those development across species will help you kind of understand how these how this brain is, is trying to develop and how mm-hmm. during like I'm taking this new course of this brain and behavior during life stages and my brain has broken. Um, but it, cause I just get into all this neurological stuff. But one yeah. thing I, th- I thought that was really interesting was during adolescence, which happens very quickly with dogs, obviously mm-hmm. um, the amygdala that, you know, controls the emotions mm-hmm. doesn't really talk to the frontal cortex, mm-hmm. which is that decision-making, right? So it's like when you have all these emotions and, and there's, there's no decision-making because they're just not really speaking right now. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's when people a lot of times go, oh, there's a behavior issue. My mm-hmm. dog is crazy. And that's a lot of times when dogs end up in the shelter yeah. because they think, okay, here's this 
this dog that looks like an adult, but why is it acting like this? Right. And, and so it's like adolescents with children with all those hormones that are starting. Well, it's um, the exact same. This is what's crazy. Right. When you said that, like the brain science is very similar. It's not that they don't talk to each other in humans, but it's that their um, their amygdala or the 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 part of the brain controlling emotions is growing at a faster pace than the prefrontal cortex. And so it's it's just more developed in teen years. So what ends up happening is that the scales are tipped real heavy mm-hmm. toward a lot of emotions. So that's why it's like teenagers are always labeled as dramatic or whatever. And and they're not, that's just, that is just their brain. That learning that piece about teenagers is what completely changed my mind about teenagers. I used to say, like when I was working at the yeah. church, I used to say, like, after fifth grade, I'm out, bro. Like, I can't can't deal with the attitude. I can't. I said all the things that most people say about teenagers. Mm -hmm. And then I learned that and like a light bulb flipped on for me. And I was like, oh, obviously then like that makes so much more sense. So then then my then I get to change my expectations. And I think that's a lot of this, too, is we're seeing you know, these kids who should know better, quote unquote, or these dogs who should know better because they're old enough. Mm-hmm. And we make all of these assumptions and have all these expectations that are unrealistic based on literally how their brain is is growing at the moment. Like it's not a realistic expectation. So you're going to exactly. keep finding yourself frustrated unless you shift your expectation. And understanding kind of how that brain is developing and how it, it, it pieces of the brain are going to develop differently at different rates. And, you know, and it's just like when you start to connect that, it helps to get past the, just the emotion of the way that dog or that kid's making you feel. Yeah. It's, it's literally saying they're not making this choice. And and one thing I tell a lot of my clients is when they're, when their dog is giving a behavior that they really don't, that they are just really not liking, whether the dog is biting them or biting other people. Mm -hmm. I look at them, I say, look, your dog doesn't want to feel this way any more than you want them yes. to feel this way. Um, they're just trying to express that there's something off here. And and it might be that it's during the developmental stage of the brain to where just give it time, right? And mm-hmm. and let it kind of connect. Um, and, I, and I think if we really help people understand that a little bit better without making them become neuroscientists, um, I think that maybe we can develop more patience with people. I think so too. I think so. I, I think it's just, it just answers the, the, the questions underneath the questions, right? That nobody's quite asking, but if they knew that answer, it would change everything. You know, like at the minute that the, like it, even, even outside of expectations, even when I, when I start to point out like the ways that, you know, the world is kind of generally pretty inaccessible to kids. Like if I talk about public bathrooms and how kids, most kids, like the public bathrooms are not built to scale for them to actually independently use them. So they're dependent, fully dependent on an adult most of the time um, up to a certain age. And even pointing that out, it's like, oh, I never, I never thought about that. Now I have a whole different view of their experience in there. And now I don't have to be annoyed with them that they're not cooperative. Like, oh, yeah, this experience yeah. sucks for them. Like, and it just, just, it's that consciousness again. Like, it's, it's being aware of these things. And it often takes an outside party because they're not asking those questions yet. They're not there because nobody has time to study neuroscience. Like, I get it. So, <laughs> so bringing those things into the world, bringing those things to people's attention is it, like you said, it's often, 
it, that's the that's the light switch moment, right? It's the it's the flips, it's the switch flip. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, toward a different understanding. And if you have when you have a different understanding, when you know better, you do better. When you have a different understanding, you're able to adjust your expectations accordingly. And then you yeah. have to see about everything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're allowed a bad day, but like. I mean, absolutely. But also know that nobody, no dog is being an asshole to drive you crazy. Right. And no kid is being an asshole to drive you crazy. No. Right. No. It's not all about you people. It's right? not all about you. This right. other thing is having their own experience. Yes. And, and that we, we forget. Yeah, yeah. We forget that that was an experience. So it's like I get tickled when I have clients have dogs, boy dogs in class, and they're not, um, they're still intact. And they're like, why won't this dog pay attention? I'm like, I'm sorry, but um, do you ever, did you grow up with a brother? Did you grow up, you know, when a 12 year old boy? That's okay. all they can think about. Uh-huh. They don't know why they're thinking about it, but this is what they're thinking about. And this is all that they can just focus on, right? Yep. We don't neuter and spay our children. So they have to go through that. Yep. <laughs> right? yep. so, and with dogs, that's part of the process of of, of growing and, and dealing and, and all those emotions that get involved. But again, all people see is this a dog who looks like an adult. Um, yes, he has testicles. And I look at him like, you really the dog is paying attention to you is not what's crucial in this moment for this dog. It's, it's, it's about reproduction because that's how you continue. Yeah. It's a survival. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, you have to understand, don't just think just that if the dog is a bad dog, if it's not listening Mm -hmm. to you, because right now he's got testicles and um, he's got his mind on other things. Right. right? So (laughs) You got to, so be patient with that. And yeah. literally that's the time when people a lot of times say, well, I'm just going to send them off for training. Oh my God, it's to hop, right? Let's stop this yeah. because it's not convenient for you. Um, but it's, yeah. it's, of course, it's our job to make sure that we are setting their expectations and, and helping people to understand before they even get dogs, what should it look like? It's yeah. not what it looked like 20 years ago. Right. Um, it's not what it looked like. 10 years ago. Um, and we're slowly trying to change that and making it a little bit more um, positive for these dogs in the world. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and I think that I wish we could have to force people to have classes before having dogs or having children. I think it all the time. I think it all the time. I wish that there was some, well, just something that was just readily available. Like that was just there that already existed. That wasn't necessarily, well, maybe no, no, not forced, but, but I do wish that there was some requirement like yes. of, of all things, like to bring another human into the world and then like take responsibility for them. I feel like that's more important than like, you know, um, I don't know, driving a car, like you should, you have to go through all kinds of tests and things to get a license. Right. Ain't nobody putting you through a test to become a parent, which seems like, <laughs> Something about that's weird to me. And right. Parents should be like tested before they have a kid. But, but there is something too. like, how seriously are you taking this? Because this is serious. Like you're talking about another life that you're responsible for. Are you re- Is that something you really want to do? And are you ready for that? Do you feel ready? Um, and what support do you need? How do you, it's, it's almost like, I think about it like, uh, like marriage counseling or like, um, premarital mm-hmm. counseling, you know, how they'll like ask you questions like, 
How do you handle finances? Like, what are your feelings around finances? Let's talk about that together because that will come up. What are your feelings about this? Like, I wish people were doing that with with parents who are or people who are considering becoming parents. Mm-hmm. Saying like, okay, let's talk through this. Like, how do you respond when you get really, really angry about something? Like, how comfortable do you feel with those like big emotions? What is your process usually? Um, you know, how were how did that go when you were a kid? Like, how did your parents respond? Like, doing having all of those opportunities to reflect before you ever get into this, I think would just, I, I think it change the world, man. Like, I think it would completely change everything if we started doing that. With I agree with them. Yeah. Because I see people where I have, you know, this poor dog is again trying to figure out this world. And you have one parent um, who is being all sweet and lovey. And then yeah. you have this other parent who is screaming and yelling about the same thing that they just got petted for. And and it's like, come. And you wonder why. I mean, dogs mm-hmm. are like dealing with so much. I mean, yeah. it, I just, I don't, I just don't think people realize that they have more control over outcomes of their emotions. Um, if they would just stop looking outside of themselves. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's, and of course I can't, that can go deeper into whole kinds of shit. Um, but it's, it's true. It's like, you know, how do you think you would feel if one day you came home and your dog jumped on you and gave you kisses and the next day you come home and the dog bites you in the leg. Right. I mean, that's how you are with your dogs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of grew up that way where, you know, I never knew what mood my mother was going to be in. Oh, right. And, you know, now I look back, I know why she was, you know, there was a lot of stress and, and working and dealing with us. And I mm-hmm. played three different sports. And I mean, oh, it was gosh, yeah. my dad self-employed. And I mean, so I can I can see where it came from. It, it doesn't change how it affected me. Right. But, um, but I can understand where it comes from, but I can tell you it's, it's as a human being at an age where I can kind of understand what's happening. I can only imagine with kids very young or dogs that are like, I don't understand why one minute you're hugging me and the next minute you're yelling at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think it's just, we're really fucking things up. <laughs> I told you the F bomb is probably going to be dropped. It is because it gets, it just gets frustrating for me because mm-hmm. I think you, you have this thing that you, I know you love. I know you care about it. Yeah. So, so let's just, it's just that changing of themselves and realizing that they are a huge part. Yeah. Of, I don't want to say the problem, but the breakdown in expectations and communication and the breakdown in the relationship. Well, there are two, I mean, there are two entities in the dynamic at the end of the day and the dog can only do so much, but you as a human are capable of absolutely turning this around. So again, you either accept that or deny that. And one way will actually shift the entire thing toward where you want to be. And the other will just keep you stuck in that cycle. So you get to decide (laughs) how this goes, which is, which is kind of nice. Like, I think like, Hey, you actually get to choose. Yeah. Um, The, the difference though, is, is that choosing to actually change this means that you have to do some work and that's, that is not going to be the easiest um, thing, but it will save you a whole hell of a lot of stress and probably end up benefiting every relationship that you have in your life. Like these are the, ultimately all we're talking about is relationship. 
Like that's all we're talking about is connection and relationship, whether it's a human or an animal. We're just talking about the ways that you show up in relationship and how do you want that to be? Like I like to ask parents, what, how would you describe the relationship that you want with your kid? Which most of them don't even think about it as a relationship because it's, I've got to fix their behavior, right? So they get out of relationship mentality and into control mentality. So when I bring them back into relationship, like I've had parents just like start sobbing when I ask them that question, like before even answering, they're like, I've never, I've never thought about that. I've never thought about it as a relationship and how I want that to feel and what what I want that to be. So then when we start exploring that, it's like, okay, so what are the things that are, that we're doing that are getting us closer to that goal? And what are the things that we're doing that are are keeping are really in the way right now. And and what are the sticky points and how do we examine the sticky points and find a way toward our goal? How can we get back in alignment right with with our values as parents or as dog owners um and show up that way. Yeah, it's you know, I always say training dogs very easy, teaching people. Oh my god. <laughs> I I drink a lot for that. Um, because it, it's first making them realize that, that you're part of the problem. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and there's things that need to change, but that it's doable. Yeah. Um, because here we have taken, you know, when we talk about that relationship, we've taken a child and we've taken a dog and we put them in this relationship that they had no choice over. Yep. Um, same thing if, we're, if somebody brings a dog into an established household that already has a dog and yep. expecting them to get along perfectly. That, that's an arranged marriage there, right? Yep, yep, like, yep. how is that going to happen? It's, you know, oh, and, oh, we have problems. And, oh, my my dog that I've had is being an asshole. And well, you just threw him in with something that, and yeah. there's there's no expectations. There's no communication about what's happening. Um, and, and I just think that we need to, I wish people would start looking at dogs more like, because they can be equivalent to about three to four-year-old toddlers mm-hmm. once they hit full age, um, you know, adulthood. And it's like, think of that, you know, they are been on this, this life for 18 months, two years, and you're expecting them to, be, to have everything just yeah. perfect, yep. right? Like yep. you're expecting your 12 year old to have it all figured out. Well, now you're a teenager. You should know better. Right. Right. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I'm still developing, right? I'm like, also, like, I'm having a really hard time accessing the part of my brain that does know better exactly. I can't get because I have all these skills. Like I can't get there. Right. Right. It's like, I can't can't get to that, that frontal cortex. I I can't make those decisions. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I just, I'm just going to bark. I'm just going to jump. I'm just going to chew on something. I'm just going to chew on myself. I'm just going to, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's just, um, it's just, it's really, it's really been interesting to, to go across the board and talk with you about the similarities and, and how, when we can just look at ourselves as an individual, it can change everything. And I can say that personally myself, I have changed as far as the way I develop my relationships. And, um, and I've been in some shitty ones and, um, and I had to do some learning about myself in Mm -hmm. this relationship with Brittany, because that was definitely one I didn't want to screw up. Mm -hmm. And, and just her and I both navigating that, looking at each other of where can we improve to improve this or that, because the relationship's worth it. Yeah. And I think if you have a relationship that's worth it, you're going to do whatever you have to do. Yeah. Um, 
to, to fix that, whether it's a dog, whether it's a partner, whether it's a child, whether it's a, a parent, you mm-hmm. know, if, if you want to fix that, um, you know, say if you have problems with your parents, if you want to fix that, look at yourself and then try to find those resources that help you make those changes. Um, and, and I just think that life can be better and a lot more relaxing. Like people, a lot of my clients are like, oh my God, this is, this is fun. This yeah. is actually fun. It, I yeah. thought training was supposed to be like, do, 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 do. You know, I'm very rigid. We got to do this. We got to work an hour a day on this. I'm like, no, you're just developing a relationship yeah. um, and setting those expectations, but knowing what those expectations are. And, and it's funny because I'll ask people, I'm like, so what is your expectation for your dog when you come home or when guests come over? And they're like, mm-hmm. I don't want him to jump. Well, what do you want him to do? Well, I don't care. Well, I mean, but you don't want them to jump. So you mm-hmm. got to give them something, right? It's like, if you don't know what they, what you want, how do you expect oh, them to know? That. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that happens all the time. With parents too. Like, well, I want them to stop doing this. Like, okay, what will they do instead? Well, I don't, I, I don't know. I just need them to stop. Like, oh. <laughs> got it. Uh, like, I just need them to brush their teeth when I tell them to. Okay, but they're not, right? Yeah, but, but I need them to. Like, okay. So, okay. But, um, okay, but that's not working. So, so like, like even with the parents, like, okay, but that doesn't work though. So like what, but what, so what else? Like, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Just, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Like there are other solutions. There are other options. And when you know your expectations really clearly and can communicate them like in a really loving way, like that's received totally differently than just barking orders and putting everybody in stress mode. Uh, to where they can't. I mean, talking about brain science, like if you live in that, if you just live in that stress all the time mm-hmm. of having to control, 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 you can't access your prefrontal cortex either. You're in fight, flight, or freeze in your amygdala all the time in stress. Like that's what gets activated and yep. then you literally can't get here at all. So you're not making the rational choices either. So the minute you like let go of that thing that's keeping you in this part of your brain, yep. in like lizard brain, like you let that go. And now all of a sudden you have access to this part of your brain that sees a million different solutions that you never saw before because you couldn't even get there. So it's, and the same goes with your kid when they, when they're not in stress response all the time, they get to access this, they get practice accessing these, these problem solving tools that they totally have at their disposal. But if you never let them get there because you're keeping them in stress mode all the time by over controlling, then there's no reason to expect that they'll ever get there on their own. So you gotta, yeah, you gotta let go. Like you gotta let go of of that need to control all the time. Doesn't yeah, serve anybody. No, I mean, and it completely changes your your baseline of of that emotion of yeah. of you know I'm calm and then I feel what I need to feel in the moment, and that's usually going to be correct. If I'm always in that state, then I don't know if that's the right emotion for that environment <laughs> or or that situation. And I see a lot of dogs that have chronic stress. Yeah. To where they're constantly stressed out and they're having GI issues, they're having mm-hmm. um, itchy skin, they're having, um, you know, diarrhea on a regular basis, they're, uh, you know, restless, they don't sleep well. And, yeah. and it's because they get in this chronic stress, but they can't tell you that. And yeah. it's like, you just have to look and say, okay, your dog is completely stressed out and, mm-hmm. and we need to fix this from the inside out. Mm-hmm. First, we got to take the stress down, right? Because yeah. there's no learning in that mode. And, and so, and so I tell people it's when your dog gets stressed, it's like there's a door in the brain, which mm-hmm. is in between that decision-making and those emotions and it shuts, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we need a little help cracking that door open. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I have to do some natural supplements like CBD with dogs or some medication just during the process of trying yeah. to keep that door open yep. in order to try to teach some kind of new neural pathways. And, and I tell you, it's just, it's a fascinating world. I just think people... People don't look at it as deeply with dogs as I hope they're going to start looking at it with, with kids. They are, they are starting to look at it that okay, way. Good, that's my experience at least. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. Because I think that that's important that, yeah. that um, getting people to just think it, think about it a little differently. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I am so glad that we did this. Me too. Um, I, I was like, Britt, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I don't, I was like, I thought you were going to be on this with us. I thought you were, and I was like, I, I don't knew know. though. I knew, I knew the connection already, and I knew that. <laughs> I knew that when you said, like, I don't really have like questions prepared or anything. I was like, this is gonna be great. I promise, we're gonna like, it's gonna fit right in. We're just gonna fall right in with it, and it's gonna be great. So, and I feel like it we was. can really talk for another hour easily. I know, I know. So we'll have to have you back on then. How's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would love that. Um, so, where can people find you on your platform? Yeah. Um, Instagram's kind of my primary platform. So I'm uh, Anna underscore skates on Instagram. Um, I'm online at annaskates.co and you can reach me by email at hello at annaskates.co. Awesome. And I'll have Brittany put that in the show notes so that she can link it all. Um, thanks for being here today yeah, and course. taking time out of your busy you schedule to do this. This was fun. Um, and, and yeah, so all of you out there, dog speak geeks, whether you have kids, kids and dogs, dogs, no kids, whatever. Um, hope you take this information and, and share it with others and, and, you know, spread it out. Maybe you have grandkids and you're watching your, your kids make some of the same mistakes you made and you want that to be better. So, you know, reach out, uh, reach out to Anna if you need some help. Um, reach out to us if you need help with your dogs. Um, we're all here to help you be better people. To whatever organism is in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, Anna, thank you. Have a phenomenal day. And guys, Mm -hmm. we appreciate you guys for listening. um, And we hope you have a great rest of the week.